2: New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts.
0: Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy.
2: Garoppolo, quick pass, caught.
1: going on everybody welcome to another episode of striking gold your 49ers podcast on the blue wire network this week's episode is sponsored by indeed pepsi and bet online my name is rob louder i cover the 49ers for the blue wire network joining me is my co-host former nfl defensive back eric crocker what's going on brother
2: i'm about to nickname myself gm crocky because i'm watching uh Justin Herbert right now, and obviously we watched a lot of Josh Allen this year, and I'm like, dude, if I'm GM, well, forget it, I am GM because I'm nicknaming myself GM. Um,
1: <laughs> you I are what, what you choose to be,
0: bro.
2: Right. Like, you can't tell me I'm not that, right? I mean, I'm just going to speak it into existence. I'm taking a quarterback high, and I'm taking whoever the most talented guy is, Right, and that doesn't mean like this guy's going to be a finished product right now, but I'm saying, like, I'm betting on talent because I'm watching Justin Herbert right now, <laughs> and there's just some things that's like he can do things that people that aren't as talented they can't do it, and he's making it look easy. And he's a rookie. I hear all this stuff about oh, we're rookie quarterbacks, Any time to We're the championship window. Blah blah. Fuck all. we <laughs> the championship window. All that. Like when you you mean to tell me you if Justin Herbert. Was the quarterback of the 49ers right now? They, you know, and healthy, of course. They couldn't compete for a championship? Like, you can't tell me that. I'm not saying, like, they would win it all. But I'm just saying, like, I'm looking at how he's playing, and there's nothing you can tell me that says the 49ers would not be a playoff team with this dude at quarterback. I'd say even, even if, say, say the 49ers had Garoppolo and Garoppolo went down, and it's this guy instead of Mullins, 49ers would be going to the playoffs right now. They'd be a wild card team. I strongly believe that, with what I'm watching,
1: it could be more than a wild card team.
2: I mean, it it, well, you know, there's only one team that gets the you know the the buy now, so it's a little tough. But just just watching it, I'm just like, man, shoot, give give me the guy with the most talent, and I'm going to bet on that, and I'm going to bet bet on the process of getting this guy to understand what it is that I want him to do. Also having these guys having a skill set that's easy to game plan around. I think that's the big part, too, where it's like, hey, we don't got to do everything, but we're going to do what this dude does well. And clearly, um, the guys that are more talented, they just do more things well, even if there's certain things that they aren't necessarily comfortable with doing right now. And I'm watching this game. Sorry, you guys getting this little rant because it's about to be halftime in the Chargers game. But I'm just watching them, and I'm like, it looks easy for them. Now, granted, Raiders' defense does suck. But I've watched a bunch of Chargers games. And this dude does the same stuff all the time. Not saying he hasn't had any hiccups or turnovers or anything like that. But every game he's doing things like, wow. And his he don't got the officer coordinator of the 49ers. And still somehow is leading the Chargers to, I think they're the top 10 offense. They're actually a the top 10 the offense and defense. They're losing because of other factors like special teams and stuff like that. But no uh coaching, stuff like that. But no, this dude is legit. He's legit. And it's tough when you watch 49ers roll out Nick Mullins. Obviously, I know he's a backup. He's supposed to be a backup, but you should watch the talent in which he does not possess. And then much different, he's undrafted, but then I'm watching Josh uh, 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 um, Herbert. I'm just like, God damn, dude's good. Even if I was watching Garoppolo. Okay, we'll just say this. I watched Derek Carr until he pulled his groin just now, right? So I watched Derek Carr, and I watched Justin Herbert. And Herbert, if you didn't tell me which one was the rookie, I would guess it would be Carr because Herbert looks that good. Again, might be because defense, you know, the the you know Raiders defense ain't really all that great. But even then it's the plays that he's making, the throws that he's making, how he's driving the ball, throwing down the field, m- throwing on the run, moving, making plays on the run. Like, he's doing a lot of good things. Now, I just air a third down pass on the goal line to uh, uh, Keenan Allen. But it's okay, I've seen him uh, dime a bunch of those. Just gonna have a little hiccups. Dude's really good, if I'm GM, GM Crocky, I'm betting on talent, and I'm taking, I'm not taking a guy like Kyle Trask or Mac Jones over Trey Lance. And it might be risky, but Trey Lance, big time talent, has a really nice skill set. can do a bunch of things with him. Maybe not as refined or whatever, you gotta, whatever. Fuck all that. Give me the talent. <laughs> All right.
1: Well, and I, and I would say, too, that with with Kyle Shanahan's acumen and how good of an offensive coach everyone kind of anoints him to be, including me, I mean, he's a phenomenal coach. But he would, he should also, in addition to his style of play calling and the offense he likes to run, he shouldn't have any problem tailoring his system towards the strengths of whatever quarterback the 49ers drafted right. if they went that way.
2: Right. We've seen this before, right? Has Kyle Shanahan not proven that he can do that? Who did who yeah, did a little,
1: little little RG3
2: action? RG3 action. Changed, changed the whole damn offense, right? To fit his quarterback. And what they do? They went to the playoffs. And even in that season, remember, uh, Cousins had to play. Cousins, he put up some good numbers in his only like two starts or whatever it was. Like, we we've seen it from Kyle. And We've seen the other side of it, right, when Kyle doesn't have somebody as talented but is still a capable starting quarterback with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, you know, you went 13-3. and three. And Jimmy Garoppolo, nobody's going to mistake him for having the type of talent as an RG3, but definitely can play well enough to where it's like, hey, he is a starting NFL quarterback, and we can win with him. I mean, just give him somebody with a little bit, you know, higher ceiling. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Sorry, guys. I know we always talk about quarterbacks. I'm just watching this, and I'm just like, damn. I wish I had that.
1: And it's, it, to me, it's just, you know, it, it's just not that that hard to, it's not that hard to fathom, you know? Like, it's just not, and it's not that crazy of a thought, the fact that the 49ers, if, and we've talked about this multiple times over the last, uh, you know, couple of weeks, is if the forty ers aren't sold on the quarterback that they have in the building, then they need to do whatever it takes to get a quarterback in the in the building that they feel like they can, do whatever they need to do. No handcuffs, no, you know, I guess that's kind of rare finding a quarterback where you can you can run absolutely everything you want to run. But again, maybe there's some some tailoring involved, but whether that's a brand new rookie or somebody else, I mean the Matt Stafford stuff just keeps coming up and every time I kind of roll my eyes a little bit because I just I I just think that's the least likely of scenarios, but you never know. But if a guy like that becomes available, like a, a quarterback where you know that his, his talent is vast enough to where he's going to be able to do everything you want him to do and maybe more Then then you just do what you got to do to get him. Like I just, there's just so much apprehension towards trading draft picks nowadays. And it's like, it's kind of like a hoarder's mentality. You know what I mean? Like everybody just wants to have a lot of draft picks, but then, then they just spend, you know, years talking about all the picks that didn't work out. Right. so you know then then i'd rather have you know three or four players that i'm very very confident in that i gave up a lot of picks to get or trade up for or whatever than have seven or eight players that i'm kind of just so so about you know it's right. just if 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 the 49ers tra- have to trade up for a quarterback and then that means that they don't have you know they obviously don't pick until you know that means they don't pick until the fourth round and they don't have a first round pick next year and all that stuff who cares man like if you're confident about a direction then just go that direction. And I don't think and I, and I do think the 49ers have not had a problem with that. You know what I mean? They have seemed very decisive when it comes to trading for other players in the league, trading up for a player that they love. So I do feel like if the 49ers have convinced themselves that a rookie quarterback is is their first round target, I really am convinced that they will do what they need to do to go get it they've they've kind of just proven that they have no problem being aggressive in 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 obtaining and the most widely talked about example of that is how everybody loves to talk about how the 49ers traded up for CJ Bethard as a, as if it's some huge deal um you know trading a, a, a super late round pick to move up a few spots into the third round like it was some this is our franchise quarterback type deal but hey My point being, the 49ers wanted to get C.J. Beathard when they wanted to get him, so they gave up a late-round pick to go get him. Obviously, we're talking about much higher stakes now when it comes to trading up for a quarterback in the first round. But the opportunity may be there. If you look at the draft order right now, you've got the New York Jets first, Jacksonville second, and then the first quarterback on that list – or excuse me, the first team on that list that does not need a quarterback is the Cincinnati Bengals at three – the Chargers are at four. They don't need a quarterback. Dallas is at five. Uh, they could need a quarterback, but I really think that they're going to just going to try and work things out with with Dak. Um, and then the and then you have Carolina who who could probably who's probably in the quarterback market. Atlanta probably in the quarterback market. So I mean, there's a, a cushion there of, and obviously this could change as the season goes on. But there's a cushion there of three teams that don't need quarterbacks. And the 49ers are sitting nine to 10 spots behind them. That is not a massive trade. That is not out of reach. That is not, you know, they're going to have to offer a lot as to make sure that no other team that may have a higher draft pick than them can create an offer that's more enticing. But like we've just seen so many little comments here and there about how the 40, Oh man, it looks like the 49ers are going to be out of reach at a top quarterback nope, not even a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: and I would trade up. I mean, okay, so would you do this? That's crazy we got on this topic because this wasn't really what.
1: Hey, we're on this topic. If you're not on the quarterback topic, then then press pause. <laughs> Get the fuck out, man. We're talking about it. Let's go.
2: Yeah, so um, do you remember? Well, obviously you are going to remember this, but a few years ago, the Jets traded up to pick three. Now, they obviously they took Sam Darnold I don't know if Sam Darnold was their guy the whole time, but they traded up to three, not really knowing what the Giants were going to do because that year it was looking like the Giants would probably draft a quarterback, but they ended up taking Saquon. And maybe they had entailed that the Giants would take Saquon, but uh, we didn't really they didn't really know exactly what they're going to do, but they traded up way ahead of time, like before the draft. And I think that they were okay with, or you had to be, Kind of like even with what the uh, Eagles did as well, with look, these are our top three guys at quarterback, and we're gonna get one of these three guys. <laughs> and we're comfortable with that, right? And the Eagles did that with Carson Wentz. I don't know how certain they were that the the Rams would take Jared Goff, but they said, you know what? We're gonna, you know, we're gonna get one of these two guys and we're comfortable with both of them. Right. And I would and I would and then I look at what the Jets did, and I'm not saying, like, obviously it doesn't always work out. None of this stuff, like, none of this stuff is, there's no science to it and no exact science, like, is 100% going to work out. Even if you get the a 49ers, there's a chance that it doesn't 100% work out, but I will say this. With what I'm watching with uh, Justin Herbert right now, the one thing that really helps him, and because there, there's going to be a lot of people that are saying, well, that's an outlier position. You no, know, the outlier thing that's going on there is he went to a good team. He went to a team with a lot of offensive talent. He went to a team with a lot of defensive talent, right? And most guys that get drafted to teams don't really go to teams with an abundance of talent. Same thing with, um, uh, let's see, let's see, the Jets, you know, with Sam Darnold, team around him bad, the the Browns with Baker Mayfield. They've done a lot since Baker Mayfield has gotten there, but originally it wasn't a roster that was, like, loaded, right? Um Most times, quarterbacks that are drafted high don't go to ideal situations. And whoever goes to the Jaguars is really not an ideal situation, right? Like, your receivers are okay. Um, Who's going to be the coach? Is he going to be out? offensive coordinator? There's going to be a lot of questions. Same with the Jets. They're going to have their first overall pick. They're probably going to take Trevor Lawrence, and they're going to have to trade away Darnold. Now, they are going to have picks, but defense terrible, offense not ideal at all. Don't know who the running back is going to be right now. It's Frank Gore. The receivers are kind of whatever. I mean, Rashad Berryman is your, Berryman is your best guy. And then there is Mims, and we'll, we'll see. But he's missed a lot of time. Um, not an ideal situation. But a team that goes to the 49ers, is, you're not, for the reasons why some of these other teams not, might not work out, aren't going to be the reason why somebody goes to the 49ers is going to work out. Because you're going to an ideal situation. The team is for the most part, probably going to be stacked on defense, really good on defense. Your offense, everybody's coming back, right? As long as you bring back Trent Williams and, you know, you, you're going to have a good running game. You're going to have one of the best uh, passing uh, – uh, oh, yes. You're going to have one of the best, you know, officer coordinators, right? You don't have to worry about a quarterback change or anything like that. You have the receivers, a young and up-and-coming, uh Debo, Samuel, one of the top tight ends in the league, and George Kittle. Like, the 49ers are an ideal situation for a rookie quarterback to go to. And usually, they don't have the luxury to go to teams like that. So um, that's something definitely, uh, I can't wait to see how, how how that plays out. But I think sometimes we think of, Rookie quarterbacks, and you look at the situations that they go to, typically not ideal. 49ers would be an ideal situation for any rookie quarterback to go into that situation with talent. Go get the guy. Go get the guy with the talent.
1: Now, you were talking about you were talking about just kind of the idea of trading up, like let's say, uh, without knowing who would be there. So let's say the 49ers traded up with uh, – let's say the draft order were set, and it really was New York, Jacksonville, Cincinnati – and you traded up with Cincinnati right now, boom, jumped up there, and you were just which of those three quarterbacks, let's say Trevor Lawrence Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, would you want the least
2: um Trevor Lawrence,
1: Zach wait say it again, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Zach Wilson,
2: who would I want the least? I would say Zach Wilson,
1: okay, so you like so you you're, yeah, you're I so you're pretty
2: Trevor just through. Uh, like two darts, man. Come on, I gotta stop watching this guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's I mean, all right. I knew that. I knew that was gonna come when we were watching the game. When we turn this on, just because yeah, it's it's a just, thing. But
2: he just threw a touchdown, like, and it's just like, I mean, on a rope, just in between the corner and the safety. Nice whole shot, man. Like on a rope, like, come on, man, come on. But anyways, um, all right. So you said Trevor Lawrence.
1: So I mean, so you're, so you're. Your least favorable option at three would be Zach Wilson, who would all you would also say that you would be thrilled about. Yes, there's right.
2: that I would be thrilled about. I, I would be thrilled about uh, uh, Trey Lance as well. Right,
1: but I mean, and then, but there's a little there's a little a little possibility uh, depending on how you you know. Obviously, we have an entire draft process to go to, and the stock on players changes so much in that amount of time. But, I mean, there's a possibility that somebody like Trey Lance could be available later. Or, But, you know, you start running into some teams that need quarterback, and you don't know who's going to be sitting there. So it's not necessarily something you want to wait on. And that's another thing that I would say is, like, just do what you got to do to go get the guy, and don't sit there and just hope he's going to be available, you know, because – there's quite a few teams ahead of the 49ers If everybody. Let's say everybody on that draft board stayed pat. There's quite a few teams up there, you know, Carolina, Atlanta, maybe Philadelphia. I don't know. I don't know how much they like hurts, um, but they certainly don't like Wentz. Still a lot of teams in there that may, that may need a quarterback. And then you're also looking at teams that are, are going to be trying to jump up above other teams. So you know, you, you you have the New England Patriots that could be looking to jump up and, and right. get in front of another team that, that they think needs a quarterback. So you always want to just stay aggressive and, and try and take the, the quickest and most assured route to get what you want. Now, of course, this call all could be mute. They could end up trading for some free agent. They could end up rolling with Garoppolo. But it's fun to talk about. It's fun to talk about. I have yeah. fun talking about this. But, but
2: yeah, um, I definitely I, – I, I would probably go the aggressive route and identify the three quarterbacks who I just, ah, I got to have them, right? One of these guys, like if there are just three, now if there's four, then obviously that gives you a little bit of, you know, room for, uh, okay, I can kind of wait things out, see when I want to jump up. But if but if there if there are three that I just identify as like, I love these three guys and I would not mind having either one of them. You probably try to trade up for, for, uh, a top guy,
1: right? Just, just, just get up there. Just, yeah. just get I up mean, there and, and
2: like a top three spot, top three or four. How, whatever you got to do, move up. Give us some future picks or whatever. Get up there, and at least you know, I get, I, I, I'm getting a guy that I would love to lead my team going forward. And I think everybody looks at next year. I think once you, if you go and you get this rookie quarterback on a, on that type of deal, I think you you kind of open up that Super Bowl window again, right? It was kind of closing, and you're like, okay, Garoppolo's contract, and you're gonna get guys, and you're gonna to have to sign guys, and you're gonna lose some people and stuff like that, and that's typically how it shuts. You do something like this, and we saw it with Kansas City Chiefs, this busts that window back open, and extends the period of time to where, hey. Why these guys on recontract. contract, because even even Patrick Mahomes right now, for the next two years he's still I know he resigned for this year and next year he's still playing on his rookie contract. So it technically was like, it was a ten year uh, contract that didn't kick in for two years. If that makes sense, you know what I'm saying?
1: They didn't. Yeah, yeah. They just they just added years to his deal.
2: Yeah, they just added years to his deal. So. They probably
1: gave him a fat signing bonus so that he got some of that money right away. But yeah, yeah. you're just adding years to the deal.
2: So nah definitely, man. Um, whew. I'm looking at this quarterback, man, just got me feeling some type of way. Um, <laughs> and again, it's probably, it's probably not gonna always work out exactly how you want. But if I'm the 49ers and I'm looking at our rosters, like, man, we have a good roster. Gotta get offensive mind head coach. Why not do what you gotta do to get a guy that for, you're going to really love for the long haul, long haul and the guy you're not selling for. Cause think about it like this, like, you know, it it, like you said, the draft picks, people kind of overvalue them a little bit. Like, obviously you want to be able to move and things like that and they done things for them, but you want to use them as pawns just like they are. And if you, you know, everybody's always going to look at the guys who did not work out and it's like, well, and there are always going to be guys that do work out, but go get guys. If you really like a guy and, and you think he's really going to you know help you in the future, man, go get him. And so that, that's what I would do. I, I liked your thought process of if there are three guys you really like, try to trade up to the top three and you'll be able to land one of those three guys.
1: As long as you're okay with one of them. I mean, no matter what, the 49ers aren't going to – it seems like the two quarterbacks coming off the board – one and two is going to be inevitable. Now if if Cincinnati they have a two game lead as you could put it on that number 3 spot and let's say let's say you only like two of them. You know, let's say you're not a big Justin Fields Fields fan as a GM and but you still think most teams are and you're like okay, I still think Jacksonville is going to go with Fields So at that point, maybe you have your offer ready. Maybe you've already talked to Cincinnati and said, look, if Fields goes number two, then we are trading up with you and here's what we're giving you. That happens all the time. Uh, I believe that someone had a trade offer worked out with Denver a couple years ago and they thought there was no way that Bradley Chubb was going to make it to them. And they already had a trade worked out with another team. And once Bradley Chubb was on the board, they were like, uh, called him back and said, "I'm sorry, we we can't trade anymore." So teams will work out stuff ahead of time, and and they'll be honest and say, "Look, if the scenario plays out how we want it to, then we're going to come up and, and we'll we'll be trading up with you and here's what we're getting and all that good stuff." So maybe the 49ers do that. Maybe they see two quarterbacks go off the board that they were hoping would, and the one that they want is left at number three, and then they call the phone and boom, there it is, stuff like that. So. Um, obviously we have an entire off season to talk every little draft scenario, which is going to be fun. I think that's going to be fun considering how many different aspects of, you know, we'll have podcasts where we're talking about, Hey, if the 49ers want a quarterback, what are they going to do? Let's say the 49ers want to sit tight. What quarterbacks could be available? Let's say the 49ers end up going with Garoppolo. What targets were worth trading up for? all this, you know, the possibilities are endless folks. So let's get a, uh, let's get a quirk word in from a quirk word. You know, you heard it here first. Uh, A quick word in from our sponsors, then we'll come back and we're going to talk some Dallas and some 49ers. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria, and you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners at Striking Gold a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash blue wire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire offers valid through December 31st terms and conditions do apply. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch because right now, an ice-cold Pepsi may just be the best part about watching the 49ers. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who watch the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. So, how about them Cowboys, Croc? What do you think? What are we thinking here? Now, one thing that I would like to relate this to is when the 49ers lost to Washington. I think it was just a little bit after they lost. Somebody got in my... I can't remember what exactly I tweeted, but somebody was, was on my Twitter and all they said was, well, you know, at least, you know, they're going to beat the Cowboys. And then I (laughs) I remember replying to that person with a a quote tweet. And basically it was that, that gif where he's like, you sure? (laughs) And, and so, I mean, what are your thoughts, man? What are you, what are just your general thoughts of the Cowboys right now? And, and are they, are the 49ers the better team? Are the Cowboys the better team? Who do you see walking out of there with the dub?
2: All right. So I I definitely feel like even in this kind of battered matchup or whatever, it's weird because the Cowboys have some better players, but like really kind of, I mean, when you look at their offense, right, you know, they got Ezekiel Elliott, even their backup running back Pollard, like he's terrific. Um, You look at their receivers and you got CD, Amari Cooper, Gallup, like they're legit there. Even, uh, you know, Schultz, right? I mean, you know all about their tight end. Like, you know, he's solid. Um, But their offensive line, terrible. So that's kind of like offsets things. And then you have Andy Dalton. I would take Andy Dalton over Nick Mullins any day of the week, right? So when you look at just kind of their offense and what they should be able to do, you like their offense better than you like the 49ers' offense in theory, right? 49ers kind of going out there. You, your running backs has kind of been like, uh, you know, you got you got Mostert who we really like, very talented, but ankle not quite hundred percent. Then you just lost Debo Samuel, so you got to depend on uh, Kendrick Bourne. You have to depend on, uh, you know, uh, 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 Ricky, uh Richie James. Obviously Ayuk, but I mean, we're not worried about Ayuk. He's gonna do his thing. But as far as guys, like if you just kind of look at offenses head to head you would probably take Cowboys offense. And then when you go to the defensive side of the ball, they have players. They got, you know, Tank Lawrence. They got Alden Smith. They have LVE and... and um, Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith, right? But their defense is terrible. Probably the worst defense.
1: <laughs>
2: Maybe the Raiders? Nah, I only think the Raiders' defense is worse. Like, their defense is terrible. And... They don't even have any playmakers on there. And they had a solid starting cornerback in uh, Diggs, rookie, learning, but he was competitive. Well, he ain't there. He hurt his foot, I think it was. So he's missed the last few games. He's down for the year. And they got a guy out there I might be familiar with, Rashard Robinson. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I like Mantis, you know what I'm saying? But um, he can not be had for sure. It's a weird matchup. Just looking at it on paper. You would think the Cowboys would win. It looks like just right now they're the healthier of the two teams aside from Cowboys offensive line. But their coaching, I think, just I think it sucks. And that's what's really gonna kind of make this game a little bit more even. But like I've been saying the last few weeks, I wouldn't put 50 cents on Nick Mullins. So that's what kind of if if you if I were if you know, I am a betting man at times, but you know, if you were to put a gun to my head, I would say Cowboys should win this game. What do what you think?
1: I mean, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. The only, the only thing is, is it, and I do, I feel like the 49ers defense is better than the Cowboys defense,
2: but it's not. It is better. No, it's much better. Right, paper, it is. You know, on paper, it doesn't look better. Like, if you just looked on paper, right. obviously they don't play on paper, but if you looked on paper and like, okay, would you take Tank Lawrence or Kerry Hyder? you know, Heider's was having a better year, but, you know, I mean, Tank Lawrence is the $20 million a year guy, right? You look at the other end, um, you know, I don't even know, Deion Jordan, right? Because, you know, we'll say Armstead, you know, he plays inside. You know, you got Deion Jordan, you would probably take Alden Smith over Deion Jordan, right? Like, you know, you look at the linebackers, you know, I'm taking Fred Warner and <laughs> Greenlaw, but Jalen Smith and LVE. they're not, they're not bad. Like, I mean, they've been bad this year, but in theory, who they kind of are, they're not bad. You know, it's just I don't know, just looking at it on paper, but 49ers secondary, I think is much better. And I think 49ers just coaching like with Robert Sala, I think that's what kind of like much better.
1: I think I think maybe where my I feel like maybe my my apprehension for the 49ers stems from Dallas's ability to score. Now, obviously, they're running on a backup too, but Andy Dalton is miles ahead of nick mullins he's He's had a ton of starting experience, and he's had some really, really, really good seasons now, obviously he's had his moments where specifically you know late in the season where he kind of has some some regrettable decisions but Andy Dalton is a talented quarterback and and I feel like from what I've seen from Dallas. They're kind of starting to hum at the right time. You know, they're starting to put up points. They've got Andy Dalton. They have Ezekiel Elliott, who's just been okay. But I think Ezekiel Elliott's struggles kind of stems from the fact that Dallas's offensive line is 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 as is, is, is like Dallas's offensive line is like the 49ers team as a whole. There's like one person there that has been there the whole time. I think you were telling me before the podcast, Crocker. Connor
2: so, Connor, uh gosh, I think Connor Williams, I think his name is from right. Texas. I, I believe he's the only guard and, he, and he's been the only guy. Everybody else has kind of been a revolving door at at all other positions.
1: Right. So you've, you've got a, a, a beaten down offensive line, but you still have Andy Dalton. You still have Ezekiel Elliott. And then you have what is arguably the most talented group of receivers in the NFL. You've got Amari Cooper. You have CD lamb. You have Michael Gallup. Uh, who else is in there? Makes plays. Uh, I don't know. Dalton Schultz isn't a bad tight end. He's actually looked okay as far as a receiving tight end. So they've they've got a nice little group there. And so they have what they they have what they need. The pieces are in place to to give the 49ers a matchup. Now, where the discrepancy lies for me is this, even though Dallas's defense sucks. It's what Crocker said. Is Nick Mullins going to be able to take advantage of what we know is a depleted and you know underperforming defense? Is he going to be able to take advantage of that, or is he just going to find ways to make it a game? You know, is he going to provide the Dallas defense with more points than their offense? All of Washington, I right. mean. Those are the big question marks. You know, that's the that's the problem. Is yes, Dallas's defense is playing like shit, but so is Nick Mullins. So who's going to play less like shit? You know, it's it's just a, it's a, it, that's and that's where you know it makes it so hard to talk about these game previews because you know I feel like we could break down everything about this, and then somehow every time I feel like it's always going to come down to Nick Mullins. And it's, it's so boring in a way, you know, of course it's going to come down <laughs> to Nick Mullins, but it's, yeah. but it's, you know, if we, there were times when we said that about Jimmy Garoppolo, where it's all going to come down to Jimmy Garoppolo. There were times where we just assumed Jimmy Garoppolo would ball out just depending on, on how things had gone as of late. So it's just, there's so much more reliance on Nick Mullins and and Dallas's run defense is horrible, but and you've mentioned this on Twitter recently, Croc. Because Nick Mullins is is so unthreatening as a quarterback, defenses are stacking the box. They're blitzing. They're 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 rushing however many guys they want to rush, and they just don't feel that bad about what could happen through the air.
2: Listen, I saw a stat on Twitter. It was um like the top running backs who faced uh an eight-man front, right? And at number one, it was, uh, I want to say, Raheem Mostert. So Raheem Mostert faced a higher percentage of eight-man front than any other running back in the NFL. You know who was number two? Uh, Jeff Wilson? Jeff Wilson. (laughs) How crazy (laughs) is that? How crazy is that? Now, it might be flipped. It might be Jeff Wilson and Mostert. But regardless, how crazy is that that they're running backs that face the most eight-man fronts in the NFL. The, the, the 49ers have both of them.
1: It's and, – and that – and that – you know, Jimmy Garoppolo has been the quarterback for some of these guys' stats. So it's like – it just means that defenses, whether it's a little bit of Jimmy Garoppolo that we've seen this season or the lot of bit of Nick Mullins that we've seen this season, they don't respect anything that we're putting behind center – so that they're just going to load up the box. They're probably playing a ton of man coverage, and and they're just saying, "Look, we don't even really care if your guy manages to get open because we don't think your quarterback is going to hit him or see him." You know, so it, that and that's why they just it's just stacked boxes and uh, and not a lot of uh, yards per carry. You know, everybody likes to talk about, "Oh man, Dallas is Dallas is horrible on the ground. We could really run the ball." If all things were equal and you had a confident quarterback that could threaten defenses through the air, yes, the 49ers would probably be able to take advantage of a Dallas defense that can't stop the run very well. But they're going
2: well, right? Where Buffalo, that was everybody's thing where it's like, hey, Buffalo, their their defense, their run defense is terrible. You can run off the edge and yada, yada, yada. And my biggest thing was, well, that would be nice, but the 49ers have Nick Mullins at quarterback. And if I'm – and if I'm Buffalo – I'm loading the box and I'm making Mullins beat me, and I'm gonna, hey, I'm not gonna lose by the run. And the 49ers had what, 80 rushing yards, and they could never really uh, get in a rhythm offensively to be able to run the ball like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, Now, some of that's what I mean.
1: It's like you can talk about how bad a team is against the run, but when that team knows that your quarterback is mediocre at best, and you're the, the, you know, Kyle Shanahan's
2: off. We saw Seattle with with, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Remember, Seattle was the worst pass defense in the NFL. And what happened? You know what I'm saying? Like, Seattle, like, the the 49ers made them look like they had the best pass defense because all they said was, you know what? We're just going to keep, like, blitzing your quarterback and we're going to rush him. And he felt hurried and he started throwing weird interceptions and, like, all type of stuff. He made that Seahawks defense look, like, elite. And And that's what I mean. It's like – I mean, uh, Jamal Adams being able to affect the game because he didn't play. Like, just imagine if he would have played, it probably would have looked worse. So, that's what you're saying. When you say, like, how teams view the 49ers' quarterbacks behind center and, you know, how tough it is for Kyle Shanahan, it probably has to be <laughs> extremely difficult for him to feel like his hands are kind of tied behind his back. And you can only do so much to hide the quarterbacks. He did it all last year. I want to say, hide. He played to his quarterback strength, but his quarterback strengths aren't. Some, you know, big time talent type thing It's hey, I can throw between the numbers over the middle. And if you dial up some deep shots, I can win there. But it's not something like, oh yeah, I just got this quarterback and, and his strengths are, you know, really opening up everything else on the field. Like, But, I, you know, I watched the first drive, well, I'm watching the entire game, the Chargers game. But from the jump, you see how much the defense of the Raiders respected the ability of Herbert to stretch the field and the formula ers just teams aren't really respecting them from that standpoint.
1: And what I was going to say earlier was Kyle Shanahan's offense, even when let's say 2016 with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Devonta Freeman, Tevin Coleman, um, and, and that whole group, Muhammad Sanu, that whole group that said set, set a record setting for offensive production. Even with all of that talent and a quarterback that was doing exactly what he wanted him to do in that offense, Kyle Shanahan's uh, whole system still relies on the run and it's still predicated around running the football. So, take, you know, defenses already know that their game plan against a, a fully capable Kyle Shanahan offense is still probably going to start with stopping the run. Now you have a Kyle Shanahan offense that has a backup quarterback that probably I don't know may, might not even be a backup for that much longer. We'll see. Of course like it's just like it magnifies what a defensive game plan would be. A defense even with everything humming is going to want to stop Kyle Shanahan's run game. Now with Nick Mons back there, they just laugh and they're like, "Dude, our entire game plan, every single ounce of it is going to be stopping the run." And we'll just see if Nick Mullins can play the game of his life because we don't think he can. And so far, not only has he not played the games of his life, which, again, we're talking about a backup. The expectations have to be limited. But not only has he not played the game of his life, but he's just been perfectly fine throwing the ball to the defense.
2: All right. You know, and, I saw and- that Nick Mullins in college threw more interceptions than touchdowns. So, Oh.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Why are we surprised?
2: <laughs> I I, mean, I know, but I'm just saying, like, to, to hear that, that kind of puts things into perspective of who he is. I think he, in in theory, is a gunslinger. He does throw for a good amount of yards, and for how sorry <laughs> – I hate that. I, I don't like bashing. I, I feel like I, I always want to look at the upside of the player, but he kind of is what he is, and, and I do think he kind of not, – he's not really good, right? <laughs> he can't <laughs> They, they just, that was
1: so eloquent, bro. Like that was yeah. just so eloquent. You know, he's just—he's just—he's just not really really good.
2: Yeah, right. So that's me trying to put it as nice as possible. I don't want to sound like I'm bashing players. You know, he—he's—he has made a career in the NFL, and I think he's going to play even a few more years. Um, after that, I'm not sure, but probably going to be a terrific coach. But he—he um, he was a turnover machine in college too, and he has this gunslinger mentality, and people kind of compare it to Favre. And Favre turned the ball over, but Favre did a lot of special things as well. And Favre could really kick your ass. And even if he threw, you know, an interception or whatnot, which I think he's an all-time leader in interceptions, he still can do some special things, uh, you know, to win the game. And and that's what you're, you're not going to get that from Mullins. But Mullins, I think he has that kind of mentality without having that type of talent. So it's like, you know, for somebody who really should just be kind of um, – really should be managing the game. Really like ideally, that's what you would like for him. Like, hey, just ask you to throw, make a throw here and there. Kind of do what Jimmy Garoppolo does. Make a throw here and there, hand the ball off. We're going to dial some stuff up. Just take care of the ball a little bit, right? And Jimmy doesn't really take care of the ball extremely well, but better than Mullins somehow. And Mullins just not even, can't do that. I think he does some things well, right? I don't want to be totally negative. I think he drives the ball down the field a little bit. Kind of well for the most part, or, or, or considering, right? But I mean, those turnovers—it just they just keep happening like over and over, and it's like, God damn, <laughs> come on!
1: Right, and, and and I think all of this goes back to kind of what you were just starting to say is, I don't want to just sit sit on here and back bash Nick Mullins. The fact that we, you know, we have to see this much Nick Mullins is a problem. You know, it should be Jimmy Garoppolo, but he got hurt, and it is what it is. And so, I, I mean, I don't want to ignore all of Nick Mullins' faults and the way he's playing, but I also don't want to act like we're, st- we're talking about, you know, a genuine NFL starting quarterback that just happens to be playing like shit, you know. Yeah, but, but, you know, but Nick, mean, Nick, Nick Mullins like, is who we have.
2: Yeah, we're, we're talking about the difference between the 49ers being able to win this game and not. And, like, if the 49ers don't win this game, why? Okay, say, say, say the 49ers lose this game. Why do you think they lose it? Nick Mullins. Oh, that's, that's, that's it. So, like, regardless of if he's in this position because he should be, or you know, whatever the case is, um, you know, he's a backup and, and we have to look at him as such. But the fact of the matter is, he's in the game, and more times than not, he's gonna be the reason the 49ers lose the game. 49ers should be in contention for the playoffs right now. They've lost two games to two bad NFC East teams because of Mullins turnovers. Like the Redskins did not score an offensive touchdown. Nick Mullins scored the two offensive touchdowns for them. Like, You know what I'm saying? Like that's crazy. Touchdowns, period.
1: You know, like there were those were the only touchdowns scored by Washington was right. was thrown by uh, by Nick Mullins. So it's, I mean, it's it's rough, dude. It's it's rough, but I, it's just it's what we have to work with. We can't just continually gloss over Nick Mullins when, like you said, he is probably the single biggest factor in determining the outcome of the game. So I mean I, I don't I don't know what else to <laughs> you know I don't know what else to like what else could prop up the 49ers. Like okay, here,
2: would, here's a what? question. If the 49ers win, what what does that look like? Because I I mean we are a 49ers podcast. Like it's not all doom and gloom. Obviously, I mean, several weeks ago, I've kind of accepted this season for what it was. But if if, if we are going to look at it from a, a glass half full perspective, I want to ask you: If the Forty ers win, what does that look like? What, what does that type of game look like what, statistically, and what do the Forty Nineers have to do to win? I think
1: it all. I I think the defense has to play. I think in any scenario here on out, because you're looking at the Cardinals and the Seahawks, I think in any scenario from here on out, the defense has to play its best game, kind of like how it did against Washington, even though it's going to face better offenses. The defense has to play its best game, and by some miracle, the 49ers have to find a way to establish the run and run the football and average at least four yards a carry. So that they can, they will not put themselves behind the sticks. They want, you know, third and shorts, second and manageables, stuff like that. Where it's, it, it, to me, it all predicates on finding a way to establish a run, despite the fact that that's exactly what the defense is going to be trying to stop. And and I have no idea how that's done. I'm not the Kyle Shanahan. It's it's just a matter of the fact that you you cannot put success on Nick Mullins, because I when when. Crocker asked me, what does the win look like? I'm, the win does not look like Nick Mullins dicing up the offense. He makes his throws every now and then, and he he shows some some promise every now and then, but we know that that's few or far between.
2: Promise. I would say he – okay, yeah, he shows promise to be a solid backup here and there.
1: No, he doesn't I, – I don't know what promise I was even referring to, if that's what I just said. I mean, he just – he makes good throws every now and then. Well, that's – that's about all I'm trying to say. So, I mean, the 49ers winning, despite the fact that Nick Mullins out there, it's keeping the other offense off the field, running the ball, trying to make that game as short as they can, and just hoping that the throws that they're going to ask from Nick Mullins, he can make. I mean, you're talking about Kyle Shanahan game planning 60 plays. <laughs> you know, well, like uh,
2: another reason why I wasn't too, you know, kind of, I guess, optimistic. About um, the Forty ers chances to win, uh, you know, any of these most recent games. Do you remember back to the Forty ers last win and how they won?
1: Oh man, it's been a while. It, it hasn't been ramp. a while, I think, right? Well, well, they, they just they forced four I mean, tur- they just,
2: takeaways. Yeah, and, I got you. So, so. And I remember saying that like, I, I get it and everybody wants to get excited, but it's like, I can't get excited by 49ers winning the game because they had to get four takeaways and they still only won on the last second kick. Like, so I, I can't get excited about that. And most of it stems from who's that quarterback. So it, it's kind of hard. And I think for the 49ers to win and kind of overcome some of the mistakes that your backup quarterback would probably make they're going to have to do some things on offense where they take away the ball. So I think if the 49ers win, the bigger question isn't so much going to be about uh, Nick Mullins. It's going to be more so about how does Andy Dalton play and what do you do to make him uncomfortable? And I think that's where if the 49ers win, it's, it's going to have to be on that side of the ball.
1: And that's and that's exactly what you said when that game happened it was like man that's great you know the 49ers defense was dominant but and we both kind of agreed like we can't like it's not going to be consistent that's we can't expect that from the defense every time and then you know what we could what we can't expect and what what we can kind of hope for is what they did against Washington is really minimalize an offense's ability to do whatever it can do now the Dallas offense is a lot more potent than Washington's but it it's just a matter of like, it's just unrealistic to expect the defense to do that at such a consistent level.
2: Well, know, and, and they did play well. I mean, like, even last week, the 49ers' defense played tremendous, but they didn't get a defensive touchdown like they did against the Rams. They didn't take the ball away four times. And I think it's going to take that type of heroic effort from the defense to get the 49ers to, you know, be able to win this game. You know what I'm saying? Like that—that's right. what that, they can play well, but they have to kind of play it out of their minds. You know,
1: right? They do, they do, and that's—you know—that's just what it comes down to. That's just what you—you're basically everybody has to do what they can to overcome what Nick Mullins is going to do, which to me means running the football, despite the fact that everybody's going to be expecting you to run the football, and then the defense has to play out of their mind.
2: Right.
1: You know, it's 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 mind blowing. Did you see something about Nelson Aguilar's finger?
2: Yeah, it was crooked. Oh, he broke it. <laughs> um, he's back in though. They just popped it oh. back in. They're probably a little dislocated.
1: Damn, you know, that yeah. probably hurts like
2: hell. You know, they just had to fix that real quick.
1: <laughs> well, I'm in the fantasy football playoffs, man. It would be it would be nice if he could uh, he could do a little bit more than he's doing because now Aguilar's dislocated his finger finger and Derek Carr is out of the game, so it's like the the universe just does does not want Aguilar to have a successful game for me. Well,
2: they threw it. They threw it to. Uh, I mean, after that happened, they threw the ball to Nelson Aguilar in the end zone. He got passed in the fear by Chris Harris Jr. and they got the ball on the one. And they scored a touchdown. Right. So they tried to get you your points, man. They threw the ball mm-hmm. into the end zone at Nelson Aguilar.
1: Right. Yeah, that was a – you know, it's just – it's it's the ebb and flows of fantasy football. Aguilar put up 22 points last week. He's been like – he's kind of up and down, but lately he's been a little more consistent and been good. Uh, but, you know, the moment I try and trot him out there in the playoffs, it, you know, it's how it works, man. But um,
2: – Yeah, it's a little risky.
1: All right. Well, I don't know, man. I mean, I think we I think we covered it pretty well. Let's hope the, the, the defense – Let's hope the defense just dominates and the offense can 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 hum. Can, I don't know what you want to call it, man. Like just whatever the the anti Nick Mullins offense looks like. Whatever you have to do to keep him from throwing the ball to the defense, that's what you do. And and I would it's it, to me it's as simple as running the football, but it's not that simple when the that's exactly what the defense knows you want to do. So yeah, stuff. It's tough, and Kyle Shanahan even said it himself this week at a press conference. Uh, he said, "You know, look, like most people don't like a backup quarterbacks, especially if you have to see too much of them. He's like they're meant to come in for one to two to three games, and that's it, you know. But once you start to see too much of them, nobody likes them."
2: Right? Yeah. No, it's not. It's not ideal. You know. That's and that's it.
1: exactly what's happened to Nick Mullins. Like everybody was cool with that one game against Oakland, where it was awesome. But once you got to see too much of them, it's like, man, I'm I'm good on this.
2: I think even then, it was just like, oh, you know, there, there, maybe there's something. And then you watch him this year, and it's just like, oh, hell no. Well, the Giants game, it was like, oh, yeah, watch out, Gar- uh, Garoppolo. And then after that, it was just like, hell no, this dude's shitty. <laughs> well,
1: now,
2: <laughs> he's, Because when people get on him, it, you know, I, I feel like, what well, what do we expect from him? He is a backup. So I think in short spurts, kind of like Mariota has to come in right now with, uh, man, this sucks that they just showed like a a, a sky view of Las Vegas because, um, you know, they're playing in Vegas right now. Of course. And then we'd be like, man, it really would be nice to go to a Raider game in Vegas, right?
1: It I mean, would be pretty sweet.
2: Yeah, you know, just to you know, go and, you know, stay in the hotel, kind of the you know whole thing, go to the game. And my wife's a Raider fan, so we'll, we'll definitely like to do
1: that. One of them would be cool, though, was the fact that, you know, like to and from to and from the game, you know, is such a uh, can be a huge pain in the ass getting to and from the stadium. But in Vegas, you stay at any one of those hotels and, you know, you're not going to have to walk more than like a mile to get to the stadium. You know, you stay in your hotel, you get drunk, you have eat good food. And if you want to tailgate, you go tailgate. If you don't. You just walk over when the game starts, <laughs> like
2: Uber. The is your too, you know. If you take taking the Uber, that can't be too much. No, ten dollars, like yeah, right, <laughs> right. So I mean, it's just a,
1: it's just a cool city for a game, and and you you see from the overheads, it's not. It's right there, just past like the Luxor and and the Excalibur and and all that stuff. So it's it's not far from it's it's right there, as close to the Strip as something that big could have been. So I've been I've been by it when it was under construction and it's right there, man. There's there's no place in Vegas that you could stay and not get to go to a game there. So it is pretty sweet. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, one fans coming back to games and two the 49ers playing at Las Vegas. Because it's just like everybody's partying.
2: Wait, not as Everybody. they, were to, they were supposed to play. I want to say in Vegas during the preseason this year.
1: Were they? Of course. Yeah. Of course. But well, they- hey, vaccine, the, the COVID vaccine is making its rounds, whether or not you, you plan on taking that or not. I, I, I do not sit in judgment of anybody, but at least, you know, that that's going to start preparing, you know, human beings for returning to some sort of normal. Right.
2: So, yeah, that's what I want to say. Like, is that going to open things back up?
1: I, I think it might take some time. You know, obviously uh, not soon. You know, especially with the fact that how, how quickly it's spreading, I think that's going to take some time, but I think it'll eventually make it to where, you know, people are just a little more comfortable. You know, those of that have, that have had the vaccine, theoretically, can go out and do whatever they want, and it doesn't matter, because their body has already been primed to defend itself. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see right now. I just think numbers are rising too sharply for a a vaccine. It's like slowly being rolled out to really have any noticeable impact, but when it comes to maybe next season and you know, a year or two from now, I think that we'll see some, some noticeable just differences in the way people treat all of it. I think it's my expert opinion here on striking gold.
2: Yeah. That's why the big big bucks,
1: right, man. Rise athletics, baby. That's all you gotta know rise yeah, athletics
2: i mean i just oh i'll talk to you after but had a good <laughs> time. hey Rise! it's gonna blow up
1: yeah don't i mean don't you don't have to know too much about it right now just just remember the name rise athletics yeah because it's coming but all right guys that's it for us i appreciate everybody listening right now without you you know and, and let me see if i can can i open can i get to this fast enough to open it um kevin jones our fearless leader um, at strike and gold set us uh, send us this this breakdown image of of everything strike and gold has done throughout the year and we 're talking about you know hundreds of thousands of downloads and almost a hundred thousand unique listeners you know almost a hundred episodes released uh just this year uh you know it's it's been awesome to do this and to to have this much success this quickly i mean Crocodile have have not been doing this for for a very long time so uh, for To get all this support this quickly, we're only expecting it to grow, um, but I will always at the end of every episode tell you how much I appreciate it because I don't want to get complacent, and I want to always uh, give you guys props for tuning in and helping us helping support this podcast, so I do thank you, and we're coming up on the holidays, so just you know, pay it forward. Be kind to everybody, but hey, we, the next time we'll be on here will be Sunday after the Dallas game, talk all about it and all the great things that I'm sure we'll have to say, and we will see you then. But hey, for another episode, this is Striking Gold, signing out. Peace. Football is back. It's in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. betonline's Online's going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching prompts, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire. It's all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.